It's been really good to be with you this week. You've been a great encouragement to Mary Lou and I. And I'm certainly encouraged the fact that you had me come and I hope that I haven't in any way uh, disappointed you. But I hope that we've been able to study the Word of God together to encourage, uplift, motivate uh, each of us to a greater service unto God. I appreciate so much your hospitality. You've taken me out. You've had me in your homes. Uh, you, you've just you, you've done great. We thank you for that. I uh, appreciate so much uh, getting to be with Josh and Tiffany and appreciate them very, very much. And um, I appreciated his kind words a moment ago. And um, it's, it's good to be in the promised land. I'm a Kentucky boy in Alabama. But it's good to be in the promised land. And when I talk about the promised land down in Alabama, I says, you all know what that makes Alabama, right? When Kentucky's the promised land... Alabama's Egypt, but um, we love being down there in Alabama, though. A lot of good folks down there. We appreciate them so much, and they're just, um, Alabama people are very special, and I don't mean that in an ugly way. I mean that in a great way. We recently got a couple of families, the Swans from uh, down there in Alabama. You already see the good quality folk they are, and I know they'll make a great asset to you as a church here. But again, thank you so much for allowing me to come and to be with you, and uh, I've enjoyed it and appreciated it so so very much. We've been talking uh, these last few days about God's prescription for life's pains. And we've talked a lot about the difficulties that as Christians and trying to live as true disciples of Jesus Christ with the pains and the problems and the issues that come up in our lives, and how we face all of that with a great trust and confidence in God. Tonight I want to end the series as we think about this idea of His prescription for overcoming the difficulties of life. is to remind us one more time that indeed Jesus Christ is our great Physician. And you must believe in Him, and you must believe Him. You must trust in Him to do it exactly as He has said. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, the Word of God says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I hope and pray that as we've studied this week, that you will have a greater desire to trust in God, to believe Him. And when you really trust Him and you really believe Him, It will change your life. He can forgive you of all of your sins. He can help you with all of your sin problems. And if you trust Him and believe and obey His Word, you can have a wonderful life 
even in this world of sin. While things round about us may not be great, the power of the gospel is for us to have that peace that passeth all understanding in our hearts. And I hope and pray that that is your goal. That is your hope. And one day, in that great hope, we'll spend eternity with Him in heaven. Tonight, I want to talk about a little bit about worrying. My guess is, is that all of us, we worry about something. We're stressed. And worry, in its very simple biblical definition, is not trusting God. And if you don't remember anything else tonight, I want you to remember that definition. Worry, biblically defined, is not trusting God. And I'm sure if I ask you, do you worry, we would all reply, yes, about something. And for those who worry about nothing, there are those who worry because they don't have anything to worry about. Something must be wrong. But I want to say to us that tonight I would hope for us to accomplish in a study of God's Word the significance of not worrying. And the reason is, is that we have a great and an awesome God. Jesus Christ is still on the throne. He is still Lord of Lords. He is still King of Kings. And therefore, it doesn't really matter who the President is. It really doesn't matter who the Supreme Court Justices are. Or, it really doesn't matter on this earth much about anything because God's will will be done. And as children of our Heavenly Father, we trust in Him, we obey Him, He saves us, and that's all that matters. So tonight, I want for us to think more seriously about worry and about the stress. And both of those are a result of sin. This whole world is just polluted with sin. It's perverted in every imaginable way. And one of the consequences of sin is worry. So, Let's talk just a moment about something I know that you know. That our God is great. We sang a little song with the kids. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing. My God cannot do. Now, that's a great little kid song, right? But that's a great adult song too. Because God is great. God is awesome. And when you read the scriptures, you find all about the fact that God, in His great word, He provides. We call that providence. When God provides... He gives us exactly what we need. 
In passages like Genesis chapter 22, notice this passage. Genesis chapter 22. You recall there the setting is about Abraham and how he is tested to offer his only son. You remember that story, right? Well, he offers up his son. And just as he is about to, to, to slay his son on the altar, God stops him through the angel. And it's interesting here in the text, in verse 8, the text says, And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb and for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together along the way. Isaac knows that he and his father are going to make a sacrifice to God. They've got everything except the sacrifice. Isaac is smart enough to ask, Dad, what about the sacrifice? God will provide. There's great faith in Abraham about him even offering his son as to what God would do. If you'll notice in verse 14 of the same text, And Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord will provide, as it is said today. In the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Now, I read that passage to you just to illustrate that Abraham and all the great works of faith, he understood that God was one that could provide for us whatever we needed. We also read in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10 and verse 13, a very powerful passage about temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, the text says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, or humanly bearable. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, that you may be able to endure it. If you have a problem with worry, here's what God does for you. He will not allow difficulties in your life above and beyond what you're able to deal with. Knowing that, trusting God, that doesn't mean you won't cry. That doesn't mean you won't mourn. That doesn't mean you won't have difficulties. That doesn't mean you won't hurt. That doesn't mean you won't get cancer. All this means is, is that whatever comes your way in this life. And there can be some terrible things come your way. But God will provide for you a way of escape. Therefore, we are protected. God provides that we would never have to say in any situation, this is too much for me to bear. I can't take it anymore. What that says, you don't trust God. Now that hurts, doesn't it? Because you know that's the truth. But how many times have we wanted to say that? You see, God is a great God. Believe Him. Trust Him. You can 
through God's providence, deal with it. I would like to suggest to us as well, the Scriptures would teach us in Hebrews 13, verses 5 through 6, a very strong principle of the greatness of God and what He is able to do for those that trust Him. Hebrews 13, verse 5, Let your way of life be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For He Himself has said, I will never desert you, for I, for, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we can confidently say... The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? My guess is all of us at some point in our lives have worried about our jobs, paying our electric bill, paying for our house, doing something of that sort. And yet, what we're learning here from this particular passage, the kind of trust We put in God, don't misunderstand, God is not saying, you just go out and buy anything you want, you just go out there and just just, just go for it and get the best of everything, and I'll just take care of it for you. He did not say that. In fact, we'll have more to say about it near the end of the lesson, but he says, you need to have your life in this way. You need to be free from the love of money, and you need to be content. We learn from Solomon, the wise man. He had a lot of money. But he was the one that said that a lot of money and the love of money is not what satisfies you. We would like to learn that on our own, wouldn't we? We'd like to have a lot of money and be able to conclude on our own that that's not what makes you happy. But if we don't have a lot of money, we don't believe Solomon, and we don't believe God either. So what do we do? We worry because we don't have all the toys, and we don't have all the things, and we don't have all the goodies that everybody else has. God's Word is saying this. God is great. God is good. He provides. There's something more important than stuff. And if your life is all about stuff, you will put your trust in stuff and not God. Therefore, eliminate the idols of stuff and trust God. That's what that passage says. He is the Almighty. He can make it so. Whatever it is, He can make it happen. We can read in this passage in Genesis chapter 17 how God even addresses Abraham. And He notice here in this text, Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1, Now when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Chapter 18 and verse 14. The text says, Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? 
At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Now, you remember the fact that Sarah is 90 years old. And the angel said she was going to have a son. She laughed about that. She even lied about laughing about that. But here's something the angel says to Abraham and to Sarah. Now get this. That Abraham trusted in. That he is the Almighty. And the book in the New Testament that teaches us that Abraham... His body was as good as dead. We're not going to get into a sex education lesson about that. But you get the drift. Abraham trusted God. Sarah laughed. A year later, they had a son. God is the Almighty. He can do whatever needs to be done. And the promise was fulfilled just as God had said. In Matthew 19 and verse 26, the disciples asked Jesus a question. Who then can be saved? And Jesus answered and said, with men this is impossible. But with God all things are possible. Now I give you these little tidbits of passages to illustrate both in the old and the new. Something that you must, must must remember, God is the Almighty. He is the great God. And the only reason you don't trust Him and believe Him, it's your fault. Because God has demonstrated how great He is. God has demonstrated that He is the Almighty. He has been able to do for man whatever was needed and was best. Now, having said about how great God is and that He is indeed the Almighty, I hope you understand that God cares about and for each of us. He didn't just care about Abraham, but he cares for everybody. Some of the great stories is of Joseph. Joseph had a great trust in God. He had a great attitude after being in prison all of those years, and finally he becomes second over all of Egypt. And when his brothers show up, he didn't have a revenge in his heart. He had the great disposition. And he responds to his brothers and says, you meant it bad for me, but God meant it good. We talked a little bit about that earlier. David was a man that that God greatly cared for. We talked a little bit about that last night, how that David had the right kind of heart. He, he, He loved God. He trusted God. God cared for David. God cared for Joseph. God cared for his people, and Esther. You remember the great statement that her uncle said to her? When she becomes queen, you you need to go before the king and ask for help for your people. Who knows whether or not you've come to such a place at such a time for such a situation as this. But if you choose not to do this, 
God will provide, there will be a provision made, and the people will be saved. Those are powerful statements in the Scriptures that teach us the God that we serve, the God that we love. He really does care about us. He provides for us. And we learn in Scripture, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 18, My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Did you notice how he said that? In my God. Is there any question whether or not Paul trusted the Lord? When you read the Scriptures, do you get the idea that Paul trusted God with all of his heart? I get that idea too. Now he's talking to a church at Philippi, and this church he's very close to. He loves them dearly. And he's in prison, and he writes this love letter, as it is referred to sometimes to the Philippians. But he's encouraging them, and he's talking very tenderly to them, as if he was talking as a father to his children. And notice how he phrases this. And my God shall supply all of your needs. And he's trying to make sure that they have the same God that he has. Because my God can be your God. That way, our God shall supply all your needs. Now I want you to think just for a moment about that. What do you need? I'll tell you a little story about my dearly beloved over here. Way back when we got married, they didn't have microwaves. That's how long it's been. They didn't have microwaves. We hadn't been married too awful long till they had microwaves. I said something to her about getting her a microwave oven. She says, I don't need one of those things. I don't even want one. I don't think she knew what it was. Now, I'm going to say this very lovingly and kindly. My wife couldn't cook a lick back then. And I thought a microwave oven might do the trick, you know. (laughs) You just throw some taters in there and push a button and it comes out and it's great, you know. I thought, baby, would you like to have a microwave? No, I don't want one of them. Yeah, I'm going to get you one. I bought her one. We we got one. Needless to say, my wife is a great cook today. I don't know that it's due to a microwave. Do you know, through the years, that microwave has become a necessity. I remember when they first came out, what, 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 would the, what did we call them? A luxury. What do you need? I think if we was to really seriously, parents, sit down with your children and talk to them the difference between need and wants, 
I remember taking economy in college. And that was a difficult part of that class trying to determine the difference between wants and needs. Because it's different to different people. Notice the text here does not say that God will supply all your wants. God is not this grandpa that as grandkids we can just go to him and ask him for anything and he's reached in your pocket and pulls and gives it to you. God. He has not promised you everything you want. But He has promised you what you need. And I've used this many times, but there was a fellow where I used to preach many years ago. He would lead prayer and he would say this. Dear God, we only ask you for what we want. Would you please just give us what we need? Little children ask for anything and everything, don't they? I remember when Nintendo came out and my son was little. He said, Dad, I want this game, this game. I said, well, son, how much is that? It's only $50, Daddy. Well, $50 back then as well as today for a game was like nuts. All right? But that's what he wanted. Did he need that? No way. He didn't need that. But as a kid, did he think he needed that? When I told him no, he wasn't going to get it, his heart was broke, man. He thought dad was being a bad old daddy because he wouldn't give me what I wanted. You see, when we're talking about us as children of God, and we're talking about our great and almighty God, he says to us, I will give you what you need. I'm convinced most of us don't know what we need. We only know what we want. And brother and sister in Christ, so many times we want the wrong thing. We want things that are not good for us. That's why you must trust God. God will give you what's best. All of this suggests that we've been studying and talking about. It suggests to us that he really does care and that he really does provide, but he has great plans for you. I saw uh, the Aptures here last night. And, you know, I said to him uh, a couple of years ago, you know, he and Jonathan both were in that plane, plane deal crash. And uh, I looked at Ron and, and I told him, I, says, I said, God must have something really special for you to do, buddy. You're still here. You sur- fell 15 to 12, 15,000 feet. And I said, you're still here. That normally don't happen. When a plane free falls for twelve to 15,000 feet and you're able to live. You know, it's not just Ron. Every one of us sitting here. God provides for you. God cares for you. He loves you. Yes, you. He loves you. He loves me. He loves every one of us. Don't you ever, ever forget that. He loves you. He provides for you. He sent Jesus Christ to die for you. Don't you ever, ever think that He doesn't care or want the best for you. And what is the deal? He has great plans for you. 
He's got something special for you. I remember reading in the Scriptures where God, the Almighty Great God, has numbered and named each of the stars. And if you ever, ever, just in a short period of time, Google it. Google about the stars. Go to the images and look at the billions and billions and billions of stars. Somebody was talking to us tonight about somebody that got some... It was farmers. They was telling me about somebody they know, or maybe it's one of their kids, grandkids, somebody. Got 21 chickens. 21 chickens. And they named every one of them. And the first thing I thought, how in the world would you keep up with what chicken was which chicken? I mean, I don't know if they all chickens look alike, but they would all have to be different colors for me to figure out in, in any way. And I'd have to name them according to their color. If it's blue chicken, well, that's blue. <laughs> how would you keep up with all them chickens, right? 21 chickens. Stars. God knows the number of the stars. He names them. Can He take care of me? Can He take care of you? Yes, He can. He can do that. He provides for all men. The Scriptures teach in Matthew chapter 5 and verse uh, 45. Matthew 5 and verse 45. In the Sermon on the Mount here, Jesus is talking to a group of people that needed so much encouragement. And He says... In order that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. There is a sense in which God is so loving and so kind and so providing. He gives things to every man, all men. But He says, He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He has a plan for you. And that is, whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you've come from, God wants you to repent, to come to Him, obey His will, and be saved, and spend eternity in heaven. Each and every person. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, that, that, that has to in some way touch our hearts. It has to in some way motivate us. When somebody has done so much good for you, done so many, uh, given you so many blessings, given you so many gifts, doesn't that touch your heart? That you, you want to respond to them in kind? You know, we forget about what God has done for us. We forget about how good God is. It's good for us to study these kinds of lessons from time to time just to remind us again how He provides for us. But now we are children of God. He provides for every Tom, Dick, and Harry in this planet. And He gives them blessings. But His children, those who are of faith and trust in Him, He gives them special blessings. And Ephesians 1 says, Every or all heavenly blessing has been given to each of us. Just to name a few. Before you were a Christian, now that you're a Christian. Before you were a Christian, 
You had no relationship with God because sin had separated you. Now in Christ, you have a relationship. You can pray to God. He is your Father. You've had your sins forgiven. All of those great spiritual blessings we have as His children. And it's important for us to understand that He says to His children, His disciples, I will provide all of your needs. And notice what he says to the kingdom citizen in this Sermon on the Mount. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Contextually, he's talking about your food and your clothing. And he uses as examples the birds and the lilies of the field. And he says, are you not much more important than they? He says, the lilies of the field have such more of a grandeur and beauty than Solomon in all of his glory. Are you not more important than they? What's the answer to that? Yes, we are more important than that. We were given the most special gift that has ever been given. Jesus Christ I sacrifice for my sins. God did not send Jesus for the lilies of the field. God did not send Jesus Christ for the birds. He sent them for me. He sent them for you. And so all of this demonstrates this great love that He has for us. So if we have all these great blessings in Christ, and He has promised us what we need, then why do you worry? Why do you worry? What is the biblical definition of worry? Not trusting God. If God gives you every spiritual blessing and He gives you everything physically you need, then what are you worried about? It's not necessary to worry. It's a sin to worry. Stop worrying. Give it up. Throw it away. Do you really believe the Lord? You remember he asked his disciples. You believe in God? Believe also in me. You know how he began that? Let not your hearts be troubled. Brother and sister, we've been discussing in all of these lessons. We've got, you almost have six hours worth Of this message. And the message has been the same. Every night. And the message is. God loves us. God can heal us. He will forgive us. And he will give us exactly what we need. Because he wants us to spend eternity with him in heaven. So why should you worry? Why should you be upset? Why should we in any shape, form, or fashion allow this old world to upset us so? How many of you watch the news? Just raise your hand. How many watch the news? Quit doing that. I watch the news. You know what it does? Ah! Makes me want to throw up. Makes me want to kick the TV. 
It, it, it's infuriating. Whether you're for Trump or against Trump, that guy, that guy can't do anything right. He won't ever be able to do anything right. That this whole world is so messed up. But guess what? Please understand this context. Who cares? Because Jesus Christ is my king, not Trump. I understand when he says, I want to make America great, but the way he's going about it, that's not the way God makes it great. God has already made a place for us that is great. That's his kingdom. And we're a part of that. And we are a part of the greatest, greatest kingdom that has ever existed. And we are its subjects. And His law governs us. And He is a great and awesome King. So why are you worried? Why are you stressed? We, we want to watch the TV. I, I do this as well. What's, what's that guy over there in Korea? What's he going to do today? Did he shoot something at us last night and I missed it or didn't hear about it? You know, just concerned and worried about that? Why am I worried about that? Just think about it. If those things start flying, they start flying. Russia shoots them and China shoots them. We shoot them. Korea shoots them. Hawaii shoots them. I don't know. Everybody shoots them. And we all get blowed up. What a terrible thing, right? No! We get to go to heaven. We get to go to heaven. Why are we worried? In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, I remember back in the tragic days of my life, these passages right here were passages that I wore out in my Bible with their great comforting passages. Philippians 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be made known to all men. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Um, does that mean He's coming soon? That could be. But here's another deal. Remember um, remember when you're in school? And uh, I don't, whatever grade it was, I, I was in several of them several times, but anyway. Some of those grades, and then um, when the teacher would leave the room, we would we'd send a spy... The, the, you know, watch the door for the teacher coming back, right? So we, we're all in there acting, acting a fool, you know, <laughs> and stuff. And, and all of a sudden the kid would say, she's coming back. And we go brush around, you know, real big and sit in our seats like we've been just perfect little angels. You know, the teacher is near. Look at, now read that passage from that perspective. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. The Lord is right here. He's right here with me. He's near me. What am I afraid of? Remember the guys, remember guys back in the day when you used to gang up on the weak and beat them up and so forth and when you were the weak and they ganged up and beat you up then you had to find you some big ugly strong dude that would walk with you to school so you wouldn't get beat up? Guess who Jesus is? You follow what I'm saying? The Lord is near. 
So why worry? He says, be anxious. That's the word worry. That's a lack of trust in God. About nothing. He says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When we understand that God is a great God, He's an almighty God, He He loves me, He provides for me, I have all spiritual blessings in Him, I'm a child of God, He's going to provide for me all my physical needs. He rules the universe. What am I worried about? I'm not even worried about the big bad bully, the devil. Because the text even says, if you submit to God, resist the devil, and the devil will flee from you. Taught your sons that, that, you know, the, the, the bully, he's actually the biggest coward. You know, you stand up to the coward. You face the coward. Right? The bully. What is the scripture saying about the devil? You submit to God. You resist the devil. And what happens? We run away. No. The devil runs away. Because who's standing beside us to protect us? God. That's who you trust in. We all need to learn to be content. James 5 and verse 13. Is any among you suffering? What are you supposed to do? Any among you suffering? Let him pray. We pray unto God. We ask, why, why would we do that? Because He is a great God. He is the Almighty God. Will He provide for us everything we need? Why wouldn't we pray? If there are difficulties. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. We read in that passage just a moment ago. Verse 11, Now, uh, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. For in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. If Paul, the apostle, had to learn to be content, the question is, have we learned to be content? Have we learned to be a faithful Christian when times are bad? Have we learned to be a faithful Christian when times are great? That's a tough lesson. Money will not make you happy. And I repeated that for emphasis. How many of you here are school teachers? What's the rule of school teaching? Repetition, repetition, repetition. You know what the rule of preaching is? Tell them what you're going to tell them, then tell them, then tell them what you told them. Repetition. For six hours, I've said the same thing from six different angles. When I leave, if you don't, if you didn't get it, you ain't never going to get it. And some people don't ever get it. What do you love the mostest? Where's your treasure? What's most important to you? If you don't trust and put your confidence in God, you ain't going to make it in this life to the eternal abode in heaven. When Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, what does he mean by that? I can do all things. 
We're going to pray for your mother. She's a Christian. She can overcome. But so can you, brother. So can your daddy. So can your wife. That's real, isn't it? You see, we talk about these things and we say, yes, preacher, I believe that. Until it gets real. And when it gets real and it's in your life and you, you get a divorce, you have a child that dies. You have parents that die. You have some tragedy come in your life. And it's almost like the devil, just like an etch-a-sketch, takes us and turns us upside down and he shakes us and everything we've ever known about right and wrong and God, it just erases from our mind and now we're a blank page and we don't know what to do with ourselves. Don't ever let the devil shake you. Trust in God. Trust in God. When He says it, you can believe it. Conclusion. Resounding theme in the entire Bible. From Genesis to Revelation. Trust God. With all of your heart. Hebrews 11.6 Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Are you listening? If you're not a Christian, you need to think very seriously about this point. Faith is not something you disbelieve. It's something you do. Love is not something you say only. It's something you do. If I ask you and you're not a member of the body of Jesus Christ, do you believe in God and you say, yes, that ain't enough. The devils believe and tremble, but they're lost. You got to do. All must obey his word. Not everyone that saith and be Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Brother and sister in Christ, we cannot continue to meet time and time and time again and have a pep rally about what God is and what God wants us to do and let's all smile and be happy and shake hands and then leave and go out there and let the devil just kick us all over the road. It's time for us to be what we claim to be. Not be ashamed of who you are. Whether it's in school, it's at wherever it is. You are a child of the living God. Act like it. Live like it. Serving with all of your heart. Don't be ashamed ever of Him. And don't ever deny Him. If you resist the devil, he will flee from you. God will provide what's best. He always provides what's best. You've listened so patiently this week. I thank you so very, very much. You've been very kind in your attention. And if I'm only judging according to outward, which is all I can do, I think you've listened very well, and I appreciate that very, very much. But here's the intent of preaching the gospel. The gospel demands a response. 
And I will close with the end of the Sermon on the Mount, what I would refer to today as the Lord's invitation in that great sermon. He talked about the wise man and the foolish man. Notice that both the wise and the foolish man heard the word. The wise man is the one that heard the word and obeyed the word. The foolish man is the one that heard the word but did not obey the word. And when the rains came and the floods came up, the wise man's house stood firm because he obeyed God. When the storm came, the foolish man's house went splat because he did not obey. So every one of us here tonight, God calls us to be accountable, to answer the call of the gospel. Either you trust Him or you don't. Either you believe Him or you don't. Are you willing to leave this building tonight not believing in God? Trust Him. Obey Him. He loves you so much. And He wants to save you and give you every blessing the heavenlies have to offer you. If we can help you be obedient to Jesus Christ tonight in any way, won't you come as we stand and sing?